Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. We're in the second show half of Genesis 35 this week. Uh, last week we covered the first half. And in the first half of Genesis 35, we saw kind of this amazing moment where either Jacob or as he is now named Israel um, has this moment where he purifies his family. He says, hey, we're getting rid of all the false gods, getting rid of that junk. We're burying it under a tree. We're, get, we're moving on from that. We're purifying ourselves. We're cleansing ourselves. And we're going to worship the one true and living God, the God who's with me, the God who's blessed me, the God who's taken care of me, the one true God. That's who our family's about. That's who we're going to worship. And now, kind of the way our natural minds think and the way that we can build religion for ourselves, um, there's, there's a popular, what I would call distortion uh, to Christianity that's out there today, uh, that some call it the prosperity gospel, some call it the health and wealth gospel, the name it and claim it gospel. Um, but basically, um, and this is if we boil down to how we think religion should work, It's this, if we're good and we do right by God, then good things are going to happen to us, right? More or less. And and if we're all honest, we have a bit of that in us. No matter what our our theology, no matter what our training in the Bible is or whatever, we have a bit of that in us where we're like, God, like I did things your way, so I should get good things in return, right? Well, today we see following right after this kind of literally like like this Bethel moment of they're in the house of God, worshiping God. God reiterates, hey, your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel. You're chosen, you have striven with God, and you have succeeded. He's like this major awesome moment. And then coming right out of that, we see trials and troubles and bad things happening. And I think this should just be a reminder to us that when we're true to Scripture, when we're true, true to God's Word, we are not promised anything in this life beyond God's goodness and His grace. And so even though we might be followers of Christ, even though we might be living right in our life, bad things will still come. Tough times will still happen. Moments of sorrow will still be a part of our lives. The difference is we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us to carry us through those things and comfort us in those times. But we see this to start with. This is kind of our theme throughout the message today is even when chosen by God and following God, trials will come. This is what we see in Jacob's life or Israel as he's now called. And so let's jump into the passage, Genesis 35, starting in verse 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel, where they were still some distance from Ephrath, and Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni. 
but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. And Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond uh, the tower of Eder. So we see here the death of Rachel. So he's moving, coming straight from this place of worshiping God. And what happens? His favorite wife dies. She dies in, in childbirth. And we're not getting the, the whole polygamy thing. We've dealt with that in the past. So that's a trouble for you in this passage. Go back and listen to some old sermons. They're online, all right? Uh, we don't have time to do that again. Uh, but yeah, his favorite wife dies. He loses Rachel here. And it's, it's interesting um, because this is a story and a situation that is so common to, to mankind. Uh, death and childbirth, either of the mom or of the child. Um, this is, is not something that is unique to this story. Um, in fact, I know we have some of you in this church who have dealt with this. Either you were the child who lost your parent, lost your mom uh, when you were born, or you were a mom who's lost a child either pre-birth or during birth. And these things are challenging. These are not happy moments. These are moments when you look at it and you say, well, God, why? God, why did this happen? God, I'm struggling with this. God, there's sorrow in this. But what we can see from this passage comes, comes in in the name of Benjamin. Because what did, what did Rachel name him? She named him Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. She's laying there on her deathbed, and even in seeing uh, this new son that has just come into the, the world, all she can say is, he is son of my sorrow. So she set him up for that moment for the rest of his life to be known as the child that came in at his mother's death. That, that, was, that was what his name would mean for the rest of his life. He would be marked by that. But yet Israel steps in as dad and he says, no, that's not his name. His, son, his name is Benjamin. And what does Benjamin mean? He says, it means son of my right hand. And so that, that interpreters interpret that in one of two ways. One way, son of my right hand, he is so important to me. He's my right hand man. I really care about this child. He's going to be with me. He's going to be very important to me. He's going to be right here with me all the time. That's one way of interpreting it. Another way of interpreting it is, is when people in this day, when they would tell direction, they would look to the east, all right, and then they would base their, look to where the sun comes up, and then they would base their directions based on that. So the right hand would mean the south. And so Benjamin could mean son of the south. What would that mean? Why would that be important? That would mean that, that what Israel is saying is, hey, here is my one son out of all of my sons who was actually born in the promised land that God has promised to our people. The rest of my sons were born over where, where we came from, but this son, he is the son of the south. He is the son that was born in the land of promise. Either way, either way you interpret it, what it means is he's saying, hey, this son, this son is important to me. He is valuable to me. He is a blessing from God. 
to me, even though his birth included the death of Rachel. And so I'll offer that to you as an encouragement where maybe this is part of your story, part of your life, where there is sorrow relating to these things. But I want to encourage you that maybe even in that sorrow, God is bringing a blessing. Because out of sorrow, God brings blessings all the time. He does. And if you are someone who was born in the moment of, of, your, of your mother's death, and you've had to live with that kind of your whole life, you struggled with that over your life, I want to encourage you, you are a blessing. You are somebody that God purposed to bring into this world, and he has a plan for your life, and you are not the cause of that. It is not your fault. And we all say, yeah, we know that intellectually, but telling that to our hearts is another story. So just know this, that out of sorrow, God brings blessings just as he did here. Well, the, the story goes on. You're like, okay, well, that's kind of a normal thing. That's kind of a natural thing that, like, you know, someone dies in childbirth, okay. Well, it goes on to verse 22. When Israel lived in that land, Reuben, who was his oldest son, went in and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. That's all we really have about this situation. But here, coming right out of, of losing Rachel... Now he's basically losing one of his other wives to his son. And it's a messed up situation. And this is, this is not good if you don't know that. If you're like, what's wrong with that? Let me just tell you that this is not good, okay? But what we can see in this is this fact that still rings true today. That even in God's family, sin exists. And if we want to like try to make ourselves think, oh, well, it's not whatever we, you know, if we just, if we just all come to Jesus, then we're all good. Well, they all just came to Jesus. They all just had this major moment at Bethel together. And then right out of that, we have this happening. And it doesn't really resolve the situation. It doesn't tell us any more about the situation here in Scripture in this place. It just, it just says this is what happened. And it wasn't good. But, oh, but we do see later on in Scripture that Israel does not forget this. Over in, uh, in Genesis 49, as uh, he's, he's blessing his sons at the end of his life, he says this. Says, Reuben, you're my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Sounds good, right? But then it, sh- it, sw- it switches. Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed and you defiled it. He went up to my couch. So even on his deathbed, this situation is coming back up, and Israel's saying, Reuben, you messed up. You did things that you should not have done. And this day in this culture, this would have, would have kind of symbolized he, try, he was trying to take his father's role, stepping into his father's role in the family, and it wasn't good. It wasn't a good thing. And I thought about 
maybe going to the New Testament to pull out a, a passage at this point to, to look at the fact that, yeah, in God's family, sin does ex- still exist. But the problem was there's too many of them. So I couldn't pick one. Because most of what we have in the New Testament letters is, is Paul or, or somebody writing saying, hey, there's sin, there's a problem in the body of Christ, and you need to deal with it. And so as Christians, as Christ followers, we shouldn't be surprised when these things happen, but we should be ready for them, and we should expect them, and we should also deal with it. It's not something that we just turn a blind eye to, but it is something that is serious, and it's something that we need to work against, both in our own lives and in the life of the church. Well, moving on, in Genesis 35, back in verse 22, it ends with this. Um, Now, the sons of Jacob were 12. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan, and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad, and Asher. And these were the sons of Jacob, who were born to him and paid in Aram. Seems very random, right? Like, just as you're reading this, like this passage, it seems like, well, this happened, and then this happened. Oh, yeah, and then here's a lineage of all of Jacob's sons and their moms. And, and it seems really kind of out of place here. And I was like, well, why is this here? And, and then I thought, well, maybe, maybe why this is here is because it's a reminder that even though Jacob's gone through these moments of sorrow, even though he's gone through these difficult trials, he is still a blessed man. He's still a blessed man. He's been blessed with all of these children, with these sons. And I think that that's, might be an encouragement to us that maybe if you're, you're in a moment of going through trials, you're in a moment of going through sorrow, you're in a moment of going through difficult things in your life, take a step back and say, how am I blessed? And count your blessings. When going through tough times, stop and count your blessings. Step back and say, well, I am blessed. And you say, well, sometimes it's hard to see that at all. I agree. It is harder at some times than others. But I want to encourage you with this. If you are someone who knows Jesus Christ, you know that he is the son of God, that he came and lived a sinless life, died on a cross paying the punishment for sin, and rose again three days later, and you know him to be your Lord and Savior, then you are blessed. If you have nothing else you can count on, you can count on that. Because there are blessings upon blessings related to that. And so whatever your situation, whatever's going on in your life, I want to encourage you to always just take a, take a moment to stop, step back, and count your blessings. Praise the Lord and thank him for the good things that he has done. And the story goes on here, and it goes on with more death. So, but a little different flavor of death in this next part. And Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre. So this is the first time we have record of Jacob being back with Isaac since he stole his brother's birthright, I mean his brother's blessing from Isaac, right? Like that was that was the last time in scripture we have these two together, which is kind of funny because why, why was that happening? 
that was happening because Isaac thought he was about to die, right? And now this is like 20, 40 years later, and Isaac's still around. So you never know when you're going to die, so don't count on it, all right? Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died and was gathered to his people, old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob were buried, um, they buried him. And so a little different slant on death than what we saw with Rachel, right? So we just saw with Rachel, there's great sorrow, um, the whole situation around what's Benjamin even named, all of that. Like it's, it's a tough situation. We still see that today. There, there are times where we lose a loved one and it is a very unexpected, it is a very tough thing. And equally there are times like what we have here with Isaac and we can say they were full of days. They were old and full of days. They had a good run, you know. They, they, God blessed them. They had a good life. They came to the end of it. This is the way things go. And you know what they say. There's two things certain in life, right? Death and taxes, right? Well, I can't help you out with the taxes part, but the death part is coming for all of us. As much as we might want to avoid it, as much as we might want to say it's not going to happen, it's going to happen. It might be like a situation like Rachel. It might be a situation like Isaac. We don't know. But what we do know is that after that, something else happens. That's not the end. We go on, and we either go on to be with Christ and be in his presence. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Or if we're not with Christ, if Christ is not in us, then we are separated from him. And then we are judged based on our own lives, based on our own things that we've done, not based on his grace, but based on us. And that judgment is, is not good. It's not pretty. So there's, there's definitely something that's still to come, something that's still to happen. And we even see this all the way back here in Genesis. Did you see it? What happened to Isaac? He was gathered to his people. That's not just some colloquialism or something like that. No, I, I take that as be pretty literal. That Isaac went to be with his people. Who does that mean? Abraham, his father, the other people of God, the other people of promise. And the truth is for each of us after death, we are gathered to our people. We're either gathered to our people who are followers of Christ and are with Christ for all of eternity, or we're gathered to our people who are against God. There's one of two options. But that's the reality, and that's, that's what happens. And so I want to tell you that if, if you're like Isaac and you're, you're a fault, you know Christ, you know the power of his resurrection, then I want to encourage you with death isn't really that bad of a thing. It's actually the way the New Testament talks about it. It's kind of the, the gateway, the doorway to something even better. And so, yes, for those of us that are left behind, we mourn, we weep, we miss the person. There's people, family members of mine that I've lost in my life that I know they're better off. But still at moments, I'm like, 
man, I miss them. I wish I could call them up. I wish I could ask them about this right now. But it's a totally different thing in my heart and my mind when I, I know that they are better off. I know they're in a better place. I know their situation is far better than mine. As opposed to people who I've loved that I don't have that assurance for. People I've loved that, that have, have died and, and I'm really afraid they were gathered to their people. And it's not a good situation. Because scripture says that, that those people are, are doomed for destruction. That God's wrath will be, will be carried out. And so I want to ask you, what is, what is your future? What's next for you? Because death is coming. It might be tomorrow. It might be 80 years from now. Either way, that's but a breath, but a blink of an eye compared to eternity. So I ask you, where, what's your hope in? Where are you going? And my second question is this. Do those who love you and care about you know? Are they going to be able to be like, like Jacob and, and Esau here and say, Dad went to be with his people. He's okay. He was old and full of, full of life, full of age, full of days. He had a good run. Or will they not know? Or will they be just left with sadness and despair? Share that hope. Share that hope with those you love and those who care about you. Because death can be a time of great sorrow, but it also can be a time of great rejoicing. A great celebration over a life well lived, a life that is pointing to Christ, a life for which there is hope for all of eternity. Let's pray. Definitely, Father, I, I do ask you to be with those who are in times of sorrow. Be with those who might be mourning the loss of a loved one that honestly they don't have the hope of Christ for that individual. And Lord, I pray that you bring peace and comfort in the way that only you can. Lord, I pray for each of us here, joining us online, listening to this in any way, that we will have the hope of the gospel, that we'll have the hope of Jesus, that we'll know that we are co-heirs with Christ, that by placing our faith in him and asking him to be our Lord and Savior, we know that we can be secure for all of eternity, that he took our place, he took our punishment for us so that we could be with him forever, be with you forever. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the good days that are ahead. We thank you that for the, for the Christian, this life is as bad as it gets. And Lord, we pray for those who don't know you and the sadness of the fact that this life is as good as it gets. Lord, be with us. Build your kingdom. Bring people to yourself in the way that only you can. In Christ's name I pray. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca 
or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.